Emma and welcome to the Hopes and Dreams podcast. The journey to parenthood isn't always easy. For many, fertility can be one of life's greatest challenges. And in this podcast, we'll be talking to people with all different types of journeys, including stories of loss and grief, but also, and most importantly, of strength and hope. We'll talk openly about different experiences to provide you with advice, support and coping strategies, and hopefully some comfort and to help you feel less alone. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the first episodes of the Hopes and Dreams podcast. Today I'm talking to a very dear friend of mine, Juliet, and in this episode we've got a whole host of things to talk about. Miss miscarriage, recurrent loss, between us we sadly have eight angel babies, natural killer cells and so much more. Thank you so much Jules for coming on to talk to us about your journey. I know that many things within it are really difficult to talk about and and sad to remember but it's so important that we do talk about these experiences because I know that it will help other people um, going through this because it can be a very isolating place. Oh, thank you, Em. Thank you so much for having me on today and congratulations on your podcast. I've always wanted to tell my story, but I didn't really know where to start, you know, whether to write a blog or something, but this feels perfect. It was about five years ago that I had my losses and there wasn't really much support available at that time. So I felt I really had to go digging for any kind of information or support. So I think this is going to be a really helpful resource for anyone who is out there and who is struggling at the moment. Yeah, I think it can feel like there's so many there's so many different sort of sources of information, probably a lot more than when you and I had our first losses. But I think if if people can keep sharing advice and their different experiences, then hopefully, you know, there's nuggets in there that will help others going through what they are. Um, because I think it can feel a bit overwhelming at times. But I remember chatting to you at the time and, and knowing all the different forums and stuff that you're going to talk about today and where you got some some helpful advice and support. So um, I think that's really good that we're going to sort of talk about that. I guess it might be good to start about from when did when did you first think about becoming a mother? Hey, I think we've always wanted to be parents. I think it was actually in our third date, you know, we kind of said, oh, do you want kids? Yeah, if I want kids, we'll have two kids. And, you know, you dream about your future, but there was never any doubt that we wanted to become parents. Just always wanted that from being a wee girl myself. So we got married in uh, 2011. And as you do, had a chat about starting a family. So I was on the pill at the time. So in 2013, decided to come off the pill, uh, hoping to start our family once my cycles had returned. I had expected that would probably just take a few weeks or maybe a month, but after a few months, I had no periods, which I felt was a bit strange. So went to the GP. I was told I had post-pill amonaria, which apparently is relatively common. And the GP said, don't worry about it. Just just wait. I'm sure your cycle will kickstart um, on its own pretty soon. Uh, after six months, of still absolutely nothing happening. So I started to get a little bit worried. I ended up going to a Chinese herbalist in an attempt to kickstart my cycle. So I had all these horrible herbs to cook up in the in a big pan and drink this potion to see if it would work. Pretty horrible. Um, I'd also heard acupuncture would be a good place to go for improving blood flow, but I actually didn't end up getting to that point. After 11 months, my period did finally return. I was actually ecstatic when I felt the cramping starting. I was thinking, oh, thank goodness it's back. However, that was the beginning of very irregular cycles that usually lasted about six or seven weeks. So I had had normal cycles before going on the pill. So 
that was kind of a, a shock to me. And obviously you can only get pregnant, you know, there's a chance once every cycle. So I think we've discussed before, you become a bit obsessed with the clear blue ovulation sticks, the static smiley and the flashing smiley face. So anyway, we started trying after my period returned. And from then it took about eight months to get pregnant. Yeah, and I guess we've talked about that too. And any anyone that's trying, you think in your 20s or when you're not really thinking about wanting to start a family yet, but you know it's in your future that when you want it, you just turn the tap on and it'll happen, maybe not straight away, but not too long. And, and, and for both of us, we know that it can take a long time trying. And then as we'll talk about later, it doesn't always, you know, a positive pregnancy test doesn't always, you know, lend itself to you holding a baby in your arms, sadly. So Jules, it took you eight months to get pregnant after you'd done all these these treatments and things that you were doing. How did you feel when it didn't happen straight away? Were you, were you concerned? I think ideally you think it's going to happen the first time. And, I, you know, I do have some close friends that it has happened the first month they've tried for a baby it's worked. So I guess I was thinking, you know, oh, it could be this month and you do get your hopes up. But I had read, you know, it can take up to a year and not to worry if it's, you know, if you're approaching the year mark, that's when you maybe think about tests or maybe fertility treatment, but not to worry if it doesn't happen straight away. But it is still frustrating because you you are surrounded by announcements on Facebook and, you know, your friends are moving on, they've got families of their own and you do want to be kind of part of all that as well. So, yeah, it is difficult. Yeah, it's just a roller coaster every month, isn't it? You're just looking, you're you're hoping it's going to be the month. You're trying, you're doing those awful ovulation sticks and doing everything you can to, to get that right window. And you're right, those announcements can be really tricky. You know, and it's always the way that when you're trying for something, everyone else around you, it seems to be happening. And we know that for other friends, it that's not always the way. But when you're in it. You, you know you see these announcements coming and you're so happy that's the thing you're so happy for everyone else that it's not that you're not happy for everyone else but it sort of stings and it shines a mirror on you that it that it's not happening for you and it's really hard to not be looking in the other lane and comparing yourself to others because you that you want that desperately to be you and you feel like why why is it not happening for me when I expect it to and that's really hard I think you do worry then as well if you're if you know your close friends are getting pregnant straight away. You're, you you know there's always that niggle in your mind. Is there something wrong here, or am I just taking a wee bit longer? You know, obviously we're going to talk about what did happen, but yeah, the the initial kind of trying for a baby can it is pretty stressful time, especially every month. You know your hopes are up, and for the two weeks between ovulation and your period coming, you start to think. You know, I remember saying to Michael so many times, oh, I feel a bit different. I think I could be pregnant this month. And you do, you get yourself so worked up. And then by the time your period comes or you do a test and it's negative, you're just, you're just pretty gutted. Yeah, and it's very hard to sort of um, manage the feelings, I think, as well. So when it finally happened and you and you did fall pregnant, were, were you positive that everything was going to be okay? How did you feel when you saw that first positive test on that stick? Oh, it was absolutely, like, I'll always remember it as one of the best days ever because Mike was actually away for work. He was in Florida. Amy works for the golf magazines. He was on a golf course in Florida and had kind of thought, oh, I think my period's like a day or two late. I did have a test in the cupboard and I was going to wait until he got back. Like, I think he was due back a couple of days later. Couldn't wait. So I went in, did the test. 
got the best result. I was honestly ecstatic. So I phoned him and he was actually playing golf and he answered the phone and he was just so over the moon. I was just being able to tell him that news was just the best feeling. And I remember when he came back from the trip, he'd bought like our future baby, this little white seal, this wee cuddly toy. And I just thought that was so sweet. You know, we'd always remember like him finding out this most amazing news and then we would keep that toy and give it to the baby when the baby was born and we told our parents straight away because as you do you expect everything will be fine yeah and then from there we just started to plan from names to nursery decorations I bought a book about parenting like we were just so excited as you would be and and I think that's right like as soon as you fall pregnant especially as a woman and you see that and you, you have that little person growing inside you, You no matter how much you try and kind of stop yourself getting ahead of yourself and you're thinking about, is it a boy? Is it a girl? It's so hard not to, you know, think to the future. And I think that's the hardest thing when things do go wrong that that's taken away. And and Jules, how was that first pro- pregnancy for you? Did, did it feel normal? Did you have concerns during it? Were you worried? I mean, I am quite a a worrier in general, so I did a bit of research about miscarriage and I read that, yeah, one in three people will experience it, but your risk does go down as every week passes. So I guess as we were approaching the 12-week scan, you know, I had no bleeding, everything was normal, my symptoms were normal, you know, boobs were sore, I was bloated, I was really tired, I was hungry, you know, every single thing ticked the boxes, there was nothing to suggest that we should be worried. So, yeah, everything, as far as we were concerned, we were on the road to having, you know, a healthy pregnancy and healthy baby. Yeah, and and I and I know that everything felt fine for you. And then, the, and, and I know this is a really difficult thing to talk about and it brings back sad memories um, for you. But what happened when, you know, you got to that 12-week scans, having reached that three-month point where everything had, had felt normal and you went in for that scan, it, it, it didn't work out how you thought it would yeah sadly so yeah we went I just remember waiting in the waiting room and you know I think they were running late so we were in there quite a long time there was lots of happy couples coming out clutching their scan photos and you know we were excited we're nervous but excited I got called through and first of all alarm bells rang a little bit when the uh, sonographer was trying to find what's the word she was kind of prodding and then she said she couldn't actually see properly so she said I'm afraid we'll have to do an internal scan to get a better picture she said it's just a bit clouded so by that point I was getting a bit nervous but I think you know I think that is quite a common thing to happen so she went internally and then there was just a silence and she didn't say anything and Michael and I could see what looked like a little baby on the screen but we didn't really know what we were meant to be looking for and then she said I'm sorry I need to go and get a second opinion and she left the room for a second and Michael and I just looked at each other in terror thinking right something's not right just felt really sick and then she came back through and the two of them kind of whispered to each other a little bit and then she just turned and said I'm really sorry it's not good news and at that point, everything just crumbled. Oh, it was awful. Um, she then went on to tell us that we'd had a missed miscarriage, which means the baby had actually died at 10 weeks, but my body had continued to think I was pregnant for a further two weeks, which was why it had no bleeding, but the, you know, the heartbeat had, had stopped. 
yeah, it was it was awful. I I I've been there too, and um, it for my last my last miscarriage, my fifth one was a, a miss miscarriage, and it's the worst, isn't it? Because you're just you're in that room and 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 you think everything's going to be okay, and there's no signs to give you otherwise. Especially, I can't imagine it being your first. I remember receiving the text that you sent me to tell me that this had happened, and I and I I just couldn't believe it. And you, you're in that room and like your own heart stops if that makes sense your own heart stops and you can't compute what you're being told it's like it goes in slow motion and your heart stops with your baby's heart like it's just the worst thing ever all these sort of hopes and dreams of things that you planned and it being a celebratory day when you planned that you could tell more people than your parents and sharing your happy news and it must have been absolutely devastating for you that you know like your future that you planned that you talked about earlier about nursery names and Mikey buying the the bear and things that that had been cruelly taken away from you it was awful like it, it genuinely felt like it, it must be a nightmare this can't be happening it just it didn't feel real I just remember we, we were both just like in floods of tears and then we just get taken to this little windowless room with a box of tissues on the table and told oh someone will be went in to see you soon to talk about your options you're thinking what do you mean my options like my baby has gone it was just absolutely horrendous. I'll never ever forget it. And even now, when someone says it's not good news, it kind of like triggers me back to that moment because those are the exact words that the sonographer used. Yeah, it, it was truly awful. It, it's hard. There's these deathly silences for a long time, and I've been in in the similar situation in that room where they're either talking to each other quietly, and obviously I can't imagine them having to give that news to anyone and. For them, they have to do it regularly. But for you, it's your one baby or the thing you desperately want. And it's almost like you don't know what to say to your partner either. I remember my husband and I just sitting there, just kind of uh, the multiple times that we've had it, like just like completely shell-shocked. And I guess when you've had multiple like we have, you know, like, how, how can we be back here again? This isn't fair. And unfortunately, it happens in a room next to someone that's having good news and so you have to leave the hospital when you're feeling completely broken seeing people having had a different outcome than you and that that's that's so tough as well and it feels like a long time you're sat in that room waiting for them to come and talk to you about what to do and you don't want to discuss what to do because you don't you you just want to keep that baby and you want them to be wrong you don't, you don't want to think about well what am I going to do next to really end I mean the pregnancy's ended but to take it away from you absolutely you almost want to just keep the baby in there just in case you know which seems daft but you just think you want because you're still a mum as long as that baby's still in there you are a mum and as soon as that baby is gone then that that's it it's officially over and what I found really difficult was you know when they spoke about the different options they didn't really chat about emotionally, like any kind of support that they could provide. And I didn't really at that point have any friends that had gone through miscarriage. So I didn't really know where to turn. But in terms of the options for what you do next, it was just, yeah, awful to even have to go down that road. But um, they basically explained to us that we could either wait for the bleeding to start naturally but given that I was quite far along, you know, they said it could be pretty heavy bleeding, which could end up resulting in going into hospital. Or I could take a tablet to start the bleeding. But again, 
you know, there would be a lot of blood loss. Or they suggested I could have a procedure called manual vacuum aspiration, which I think was fairly new at the time. And that would essentially vacuum the baby out, which it sounds horrible, but given what we know now, I do think it was probably the best of the bad options available. That was the route we decided to go down because, to be honest, I was terrified about actually seeing anything, seeing the blood or even, you know, seeing parts of the baby. I just, it would be too traumatic. So for me, I decided to get booked in three days later for the manual vacuum aspiration. And I think it's important to talk about a little bit more detail about that procedure and because I know that later we'll talk about you suggested that to me for my last miscarriage and I was so thankful for it, much more controlled than, than the other options that, or the things that I'd, I'd done. And I think it's important for to us to talk about these procedures so that it helps like other people think about what option's best for them as well. So Jules, can you talk us through the procedure and how was it and, and what sort of happened with it? Yeah, so I mean, it's actually a very straightforward and quick procedure. It involves use of a narrow tube, which basically suctions out out the baby. They refer to it as pregnancy tissue, but I like to think of it, you know, it was a baby. So yeah, so it's a narrow tube, it suctions out and you're awake during the procedure. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but it is over very quickly. And you, you know, I think I was home within maybe an hour after the procedure finishing. Afterwards, I had quite a lot of cramping and bleeding. I guess for me, the strange sensation was that I just felt really empty after because I'd obviously been very bloated. I had a slight bump pregnancy and you do get that kind of bloating anyway. And as soon as that procedure was done, I, I knew that there was nothing in, in, in my stomach anymore. I just felt empty, but that was kind of emotionally empty and physically empty. How did you find the procedure? Because I know you you had it fairly recently. Um. Yeah, well, my last miscarriage, my fifth, I had I would have had a missed miscarriage as well. I went for an early scan because I'd had multiple losses before, and then like you, there there wasn't a heartbeat um, with the baby. So I decided I rang you up actually, and I said they've given me these options. What do you think? And you and you gave me the great advice about going for that manual vacuum and, I, and and I'd never had that before I'd had an emergency DNC with my first one because I was rushed into hospital uh, the other three I'd had I'd sat at home and waited for them to come away naturally which like you say is, is horrendous because you're waiting for it to happen you're not in control of it you're having to look at everything you end up having to take too much information but you end up having to take the tissue from the toilet uh, into a box and, and into hospital and it's just horrendous like And the thought for me of my baby being in a toilet was, it still makes me upset now, like it's just awful. And so I felt that this one was much more controlled. I felt more in control because in miscarriage and baby loss, you have no control. And that's the hardest thing. You can't decide when you want to get pregnant. You can't keep that baby if if it's not going to be kept. And for me, it it meant I was in control of deciding how this was going to be take it away from my body rather than wait at home for a couple of weeks um, which I just didn't didn't want to happen and like you said it's very quick the staff are amazing the doctor talked me through everything the nurses held my hand because it was during covid so my husband couldn't be with me she held my hand wiped away my tears put heat packs on my tummy you'd said that that was going to happen too and you talked me through it so I knew exactly what was coming which I found so reassuring and it was done super quickly and I felt like less bleeding than when I've bled at home, 
which was which was good because you actually want that physical stuff to be over. And for me, if I'd known about this procedure from the off, I probably would have opted this every single time. None of the procedures are nice, as you say, but being in control a little bit more of this. And for me, it felt like there would be more chance for the baby to be tested this way. So they send the pregnancy tissue or baby, as we prefer to call it, they send the baby off straight away to be tested. And you wait six to eight weeks to know whether there's you know whether there's something that they can test on it and it felt like that was the best chance of checking the genetics and for me that was important because I don't really have any answers about why this keeps happening yeah I'd I'd say that it's a good thing to think about if when you're considering your options and Jules then after this procedure you're recovering physically and emotionally but where did you did you get advice and support where did you go for that in the next stages after you you'd had this procedure to be honest, I didn't really know where to go. Like, I just was on Google. So I did, you know, I went on to Tommy's website in the Miscarriage Association. I just felt I didn't have any answers as to why this had happened. Ended up, one of my friends, um, her sister-in-law had experienced a missed miscarriage at the 12-week scan as well. I think it was a couple of years previously. Um, and she actually phoned me, which was amazing, just to get some just some advice because I wanted to ask her questions like how long will it take for my period to return after this and she had gone on to have um, a successful pregnancy afterwards so I was asking her how long did it take to get pregnant again just all these kind of questions that are going through your mind in terms of support I think you know I just leaned on my friends and my family everybody was really amazing I think often people don't really know what to say but even just being there you know, one of my friends turned up and said, would you like to borrow my dog for the day? And I'd, I'd taken, I think I had two weeks off work afterwards. And that was actually the best kind of therapy was just, I had company, but I didn't have to speak to the parent. You know, the, I just had cuddles with a lovely dog. And it was just stuff like that that really helped, just small, simple things. Or like, you know, a friend sending you a wee card, you know, let you know that they've been thinking of you or flowers or, you know, these kind of things just mean so much. You know, it doesn't, People don't have to know what to say, but just knowing that they're there for you, it just means so much to you. I know. It's funny how you really realise who your friends and your support networks are during this time, isn't it? Like, it doesn't have to be a big... You don't want big gestures, but just to let to, to let you know that they understand that it's... Even if they haven't been through it, that's a really shit thing to go through. And to lose a baby is the most horrendous thing. Even send you a wee text message with an emoji or even like a message. I mean, you were great at doing this for me. And I think I did the same back to you that we just message and say, thinking of you today. Or we'd remember when there was a date that um, was significant for each other. And we just message to say, I know today must be hard, but I'm thinking of you and kisses. And some people don't know what to say at all. So they just say nothing. And it's just like, there's this sort of void and this silence that's really awkward and it can actually affect your friendship sometimes because you're just like, please just say, I don't know what to say, but I'm sorry. Absolutely. Because I, I know people people have said to me before, oh, I didn't know whether to bring it up because I didn't want to upset you and remind you of it, but you're thinking about it all the time. So you're actually just desperate for the person to mention it because actually, you know, it really helped me to talk about it. And also some of my friends did have some good success stories, you know, of other friends or relatives you know, they'd maybe had two or three miscarriages and then had a successful pregnancy. And I just loved hearing those stories. It just gave me so much hope. So, yeah, it's difficult for people that haven't been through it because I do understand. I mean, before it happened to me, I didn't know what to say. It's such a difficult one. 
I think that's the thing, isn't it? I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but you'd wish a bit of perspective on people to understand what it feels like because we'll talk about it a bit more in detail as we as we go through our chat. But like, it's not just a heavy period. Uh, it's not just you know, oh well, it just wasn't meant to be. It's not that at all. It's it's crippling, and especially like both of us, we've gone through it many times, and it doesn't become easier the more times that you have to go through it. You just want people just to understand a little bit more sometimes. The miscarriage association, I know for myself, I don't think you did, but I but I did have some counselling from that service and it, I found it super helpful. It was based purely for people that have had loss um, and I went to about six sessions and I found it really useful. And at the moment I saw on Instagram the other day that they're actually offering kind of sessions over Zoom, which is really good. And I would recommend to people if they want to talk to someone about what they're going for at the moment, that there's something that's worth looking at for sure. You had this first loss. It was devastating. How long did you wait? How long did you or how long did it take for you to fall pregnant again? Well, to be honest, we just decided to start trying again straight away. I think I had one period first think the doctor had advised wait until you've had one period and then you can start trying again so that was what we did and hoped it had just been bad luck the first time so it took a bit less time so it was five months to get pregnant so I got another positive test in October 2015 receiving the positive test was actually terrifying um you've got the hope but then you just have so much fear that you know fear to think the dreams can be realized and that everything can be okay so you know you're just so scared to be excited and um, I think um, you and I got pregnant at exactly the same time potentially when I think we had positive tests on the same day didn't we? I think so I think it was pretty much the same day we because we'd we'd opened up with each other and we weren't really telling many people but because we knew what we'd been through before because we had the first miscarriage together at the same time we did share with each other that yeah we were pregnant and I remember we were out for dinner for your birthday do you remember the Mexican restaurant and we both like we weren't drinking and we were both pregnant and I remember us thinking this has got to be a good omen you know we've both gone through these losses but we're you know we're good friends and we're both pregnant at the same time and how amazing will this be to have our babies at the same time and off on maternity leave at the same time and we can meet up and uh, yeah we did get carried away but we were just excited I think it you know that's the worst thing about miscarriage it takes away that excitement from being pregnant or that feelings of complete euphoria that you know I'm, I'm going to be a mum I'm going to have a baby because it strips that from you because when you've had losses and you know what it feels like and and you immediately go to the protect yourself let's pretend it's not happening because I don't want to allow myself and it just it takes it away from your actual joy and so I think you and I had we just let ourselves believe and because we thought wow we're pregnant at the same time this has got to be a good omen and we were so excited to share that together yeah exactly um and I remember at the time you were working in our office like every Friday and unfortunately uh after six weeks it was on a Friday and I had woken up in the morning and my symptoms had genuinely disappeared overnight. Everything, all the pregnancy symptoms I'd had, had had just gone. And I said to Michael, something is not right. I just had such a bad feeling. And you were there in work and I'd said to you, I'm really worried. Um, I'm just not feeling pregnant anymore. I was actually scared to go to the toilet as well, just in case you know there was blood like I was I was putting off going to the toilet and 
anyway, later in the morning, I went and I wiped and sure enough, there was blood. And at that point, I actually could feel cramping starting and I, I just knew this is it. And so I went back into the office, I remember. Remember, I was in floods of tears and you came out and I phoned Michael from the back of the office and I said, um, it's happening again, you'll need to come. Uh, that was awful, um, being able, having to tell him that again too. And it seems silly, but like little things like on the way to work, I just saw these like individual magpies and, you know, you just become like really obsessed with like signs that things are not going to go well. It, yeah, you just, anyway, um, went straight home and the bleeding got really heavy and I just knew, I just knew that, you know, how some spotting can be common in pregnancy, but this, this was proper heavy bleeding. And with it being a Friday, I couldn't get a scan at early pregnancy until the Monday. And actually, by the time I got the scan on the Monday, the baby had completely gone. Everything happened once again. Just absolute devastation. Dis disbelief that, you know, how can this happen again? And now I'm starting to think there must be something wrong. Yeah, and, and you're right. You just know as a, as a mum, because it's your body, and obviously your husband's being affected too but as a, as as the woman do you just know when it it's not it's it's gone or you have a bad feeling and it's easy for people to say oh no it'll be all right it'll be all right but you just know in yourself that it's you know it's not going to be all right and you have that gut instinct and I, and uh, I remember being so sad and and obviously that pregnancy f didn't carry on for you but mine did and I know that that was that was hard on our no well, I say it's hard on it wasn't hard on our friendship because we managed I, I went on to have Millie I wish we'd been there doing this together but we managed to find a way to sort of navigate that and be sensitive to uh, I was trying to be super sensitive to you and you were still being so supportive and happy for me and I remember feeling super grateful that you were there for me still because I knew it couldn't be easy I'd been in situations where someone was pregnant at the same time and they went on to have one and I didn't and it's hard it's really tough but I know we we, we managed to work our way through it and I'm forever thankful for that yeah you were like so sensitive because obviously you know your bump was growing in the office everyone was asking you about it and I could see a couple of times you know we'd gone out for a walk around campus and we'd bump into people and they'd be asking you about the pregnancy and you were it was so kind of you because you were you just had a very quick chat about it and then you were always quick to change the subject and I did feel bad you know that you weren't getting your moment as such because you were so you know thinking about my feelings and but I really appreciated that because obviously you know I, I think um, as you were pregnant I as we'll go on to talk about I had another loss so I was just really struggling and yeah you were so sensitive and kind through your pregnancy I think because you knew exactly what I'd been through because you'd been there yourself. Oh, yeah, and I, I, our friendship as why we're doing this as the first podcast has, you know, helped us through all this, all the ups and downs in this for sure. And sadly, that wasn't you. That the second one wasn't your final one. You you went on to have a, a third loss. That's right. So between the second and third uh, losses, so you're not usually meant to be tested after two losses but we'd met this really amazing doctor Dr Kumar after both the first and the second miscarriage and I said to her listen there must be something wrong are there any tests we can get done now before we try and fall pregnant again and she did she tested me for um antiphospholipid antibody which is one of the kind of standard recurrent miscarriage tests 
and some other standard blood tests, they all came back negative. So again, we thought, okay, it is bad luck. Um, we'll give it another go. So fast forward to February 2016, another positive test and, of course, even more anxiety. It got to the point that I was scared to go to the toilet at all, just in case there was any blood. Like, I was putting off going. And I think I've heard other people say the same. You're just so anxious. Like, every morning, I'm just just checking, do I feel pregnant? Or, or if I'm not tired at night, you know, I'm worried about that. And it was uncanny the how similar the third miscarriage was to the second because it was six weeks to the day and on a Friday and again in the office in the same toilet the same thing and it was just like groundhog day and oh uh, yeah I was absolutely broken that day I just remember phoned Michael he was going to come and pick me up and then just phoned my mum um on the way to the car and I was just I couldn't speak for crying and I was just like I cannot believe this has happened again like something is wrong, but what is wrong? And I just start, you start to worry, will I ever be a mum? That's the thing, isn't it? It feels so cruel and it's like, this cannot be happening again. Yep. This cannot be happening again. Why is this happening again? And you just want answers and, and is it going to happen? And and people say, oh, I know, you know, it will happen, it will happen, but they don't know it will happen. And in your head, you're like, you, you and I are both quite very positive people and think things are going to be all right but when you know it hasn't gone all right and you know the worst can happen you, your head goes that way that oh it's just going to happen again exactly the more you have people know don't know what to say at all to you anymore and I think you know we talked about that earlier that you, people you know seeing scan photos announcements it's just it triggers you it just it breaks you it was awful. I think as well by the third, you're just at such a low point. Like you just, you don't know where to go from there. You're surrounded by, by this point, your friends are on their second babies. They're announcing their second pregnancies. You've still not even had your first and you're getting older and everybody's life is moving on and you're stuck. Like I've described it before as a waiting room. It's like you're in this horrible limbo. You can't move forward, but you don't want to move forward without a baby, but you can't go back to your old life because you've been pregnant and you've felt like a mum and you've had those dreams but then they've been taken away and yeah it, it's it's so horrible and something I found really hard was obviously because of my search history from the first pregnancy I was being followed on Facebook by adverts for scans for pregnancy tests for nursery furniture um, I'd signed up to those mailing lists a baby center you know that tell you what size your baby will be this week and all of these things were following me and I tried to unsubscribe but it was yeah that just made things so much more difficult um I can tell you something embarrassing as well so Bridget Jones baby the movie was out about the same time as I think just after the third miscarriage and I was being followed by the trailer for that movie and there's a scan photo in the trailer and I just couldn't cope with it and it kept coming up my Facebook so I ended up reporting the advert to Facebook and it gave like different options for what you could report it as and I was like I ticked offensive content which is so crazy and I've still never seen that movie and I will never see it but it just that kind of thing it just it follows you around and taunts you it's like everybody else is having babies and getting pregnant and you're not and you don't know when these like triggers are going to pop up like 
you can just be having a normal day and then you get an email from work saying, oh, so-and-so has welcomed this baby. And you're just like, oh, like, and again, like I said, and I always say this, I am so happy for that individual person. I want everyone that wants to be a parent to become a parent, but it just hits you like it stabs you in the stomach and you just feel, why isn't it me? Why can it not be my turn? it's horrendous and you know it really you don't know when you're going to be hit by something and and it can really take you off guard absolutely like some days you think you're okay and then you'll be walking down the street and there's maybe like we we used to work next to that jojo mama and baby shop and i used to go in there when i was pregnant the first time and just look at everything and touch the clothes and get all excited and every single time i walked past that shop and saw like a pregnant woman walking in I just felt absolutely just gutted, just thinking, God, that was going to be me. And I was so close to that point. And then it was just gone. You feel like, as I said earlier, that you're in this slow lane and you desperately want to be a mum and it's not happening. But the world keeps turning. The world is still living. Life goes on. People are having babies. People are doing you know, their thing. And you're in some sort of paralysis where you just want to hit the pause button and you can feel you shouldn't think like this but you can feel your age you know the age the clicking top you know you're getting older every year every christmas it's not where you wanted to be and you just oh, i just want this to stop so i can catch up it's my turn exactly and i think even like birthdays i didn't really enjoy celebrating birthdays during all of you know the trying and the the miscarriages because I didn't want to be a year older because I knew that as every year passed my chances of a successful pregnancy were probably going down a little bit so yeah it's really hard to just keep going and stay positive and get on with life because your life should involve a baby yeah and it, and it was involving a baby it just um it didn't move on to how it should have done yeah after you you had three losses which is awful truly awful and you didn't know what was you didn't know what was causing it what research did you do to see what was happening because I know you had a gut instinct as you've talked about that something wasn't right yeah so in talking to some of my friends so one of my good friends her sister's actually GP and she had been diagnosed with something called natural killer cells high levels after several losses and she'd gone on to have two children So I contacted her to find out a bit more about it. Basically, natural killer cells is something that we all have, um, but it's thought women can produce too high a percentage of these cells and they end up attacking the embryo. Two professors, so there's Professor Brosson and Professor Quemby, and it's a research clinic down in Coventry. It's also linked to Tommy Centre. They've carried out research, which does indicate a link And my friend's sister was telling me that the treatment is actually really straightforward and it's just steroids and progesterone for the first three months of pregnancy. So this was something I thought, right, I'm going to investigate this because if that's what I've got, it's something easily treatable. And, you know, this could be the answer. So I did a bit more research. I found another girl on a blog and she had mentioned receiving treatment for natural killer cells as well. She then got back to me and she invited me to join this recurrent miscarriage group on Facebook. So I joined this group and there was about 30 girls from all over the UK. And to join this club, you had to have three miscarriages or more. So I wasn't in the mum's club, but I was in the recurrent miscarriage club, which not the best club to be in. But the girls were all amazing. We all shared our stories. We all had such similar stories. 
losses around the same time and the great thing was a lot of the girls had been to Coventry and had actually been diagnosed with high natural killer cells and you know we're now going on to have successful pregnancy and I'd actually counted there was 10 positive success stories from that group which was just really made me think right this could be the answer for us there was also some girls in the group that were just treated with progesterone alone and they were also going on to have their rainbow babies so we decided that we would then take the trip to Coventry from Glasgow so quite a long journey and we would go down and we would speak to Professor Brosson. I remember chatting to you about this and it gave you hope to speak to those women to go down and take control and go go down and have tests it meant it felt like you were doing something positive towards your step to becoming a mum absolutely and it was great because the girls were able to tell us you know exactly what the test would involve how long results take they even had scanned in copies of the letters that they'd received from Coventry so you kind of knew exactly what you were going into so it was in May 2016 we decided that we would travel down to Coventry got the test which involved taking a biopsy from the lining of the womb we had a consultation with Professor Brosson first he was lovely yeah so we got the biopsy but he actually had looked quite concerned during it and he called a colleague in and he spent ages looking at the scan image so then came our next hurdle he said that my uterine lining was abnormally thin and it was 4.6 millimeters and it's believed that your lining must be seven millimetres to get pregnant. Now, I didn't know anything about uterine lining, what it should be. So this came as a complete shock. And he actually said to me, oh, it's a surprise that you've been able to get pregnant at all with a uterine lining this thin. So that just completely floored us. He said there was a chance it could thicken on its own, but it was quite concerning. He then advised us we were best to get another scan in a couple of months back in Glasgow. But in terms of the natural killer cells, they would be in touch in two weeks with the results from that. So that was just another setback because in our heads we're thinking, right, if the natural killer cells test does show that we've got high levels, then simple, we'll just take the steroids and progesterone and everything will be fine. But now we're faced with this other hurdle that it might even be difficult for me to get pregnant again. So on, I just remember that journey back from Coventry to Glasgow. I literally just Googled the whole time and every single site said, your lining must be seven millimetres. All these IVF clinics apparently don't even take people until your lining's seven. So I was in an absolute state. Just remember, I got back home and my eyes were so swollen by the time I got back to Glasgow, just from crying the whole way back. I just felt, everything just felt hopeless at that point. Well, you had multiple obstacles or things that were causing this to happen. So it must have felt overwhelming to have realised that there wasn't just one potential problem. There was possibly two. Yeah. And, you know, that that's that's so hard to think about, well, how do we... How do we go forward with this? How do I fix that to make it so it does work? And one doesn't know about half these problems, or if not all of these problems, until you're actually in it. Exactly. And it's such a surprise to uh, to know the different challenges that we have. That it, you know, it's not as straightforward as one thinks. That's exactly right. You know, and these are all. I mean, natural killer cells, uterine lining, everything that I've learned during all these years. I mean, 
I didn't know anything about all this stuff. I just thought you can get pregnant within a couple of months. Happy days. Yeah, and that's why it's good to talk about it so that you can, so that other people know different things that they can look into as well. And so, Jules, what happened next after you'd got back to Glasgow? When did you hear from the doctors about the the natural killer cells and things? Yeah, so we got back and a couple of weeks after attending the clinic, we did get the results back and it did show my natural killer cells were really high. So they were at, I think it was 14% instead of 5%. So we, we are really happy to finally have some answers. So it felt like that's definitely the answer to why we're miscarrying. So the next thing was to concentrate on sorting out my lining. So I did loads of research and I lo- there's a lot of things that can actually help your lining. So one of the things is to go for acupuncture, which is meant to help your blood flow. I actually found acupuncture just so good generally. Just I found it so relaxing. It's something I never considered before. I, I didn't think sticking pins in in your head and in your it was in my head, my stomach and my hands. I never thought that could be a relaxing thing, but I actually loved it. And the, the woman there was so nice and had dealt with fertility problems before. So I got quite a lot of sessions of acupuncture. Apparently, if you take a supplement called Larganine and also, strangely, pomegranate juice. So I was buying that palm juice and drinking that in the office like everybody thought was crazy. High-strength vitamin D is something that a lot of people have recommended, including all the girls in that group. So I was on that. And it's also gone to my local herbal shop, Napier's, and they'd recommended Shatavari which is meant to be really good for regulating your cycles. And I did find my cycles did shorten in length after taking that. And a couple of my friends have since taken it um, following my advice and their cycles have shortened as well. So I definitely recommend that. We also got in touch with Dr. Kumar. She was the amazing consultant that we'd seen previously for the first two miscarriages. And we booked in to see her for a scan to check out my lining. Amazing. And I, I've seen Dr. Kumar as well. She did my um, procedure, my last one, and she's amazing and doing tests on me at the moment. And she's a hero to me, as, as she is to you. She's an amazing woman. I love that you go into all these herbal places as well, all the things you try to try and, and help. And I just feel like it gives you a little bit of control. If you feel like you're doing all that you can to make it work, it, it makes you feel more positive. It makes you feel better that you're trying everything. Completely. Like I did so much research and Even in that recurrent miscarriage group on Facebook, they have a spreadsheet of supplements and we all had gone out to Home Bargains and bought a little pill box and we all had our little pill boxes. We even took photos of them and posted them in the group because we were thinking, what has life become? But it does, as you're saying, it does make you feel like you're in more control and I think you, you often feel helpless. So anything like that that you can control, it just really helps. And it helps you to keep going to think you're doing something positive, you're being proactive. That helps you to keep going and, and gives you some, some hope, I think, as well. No, it, it worked. You it, you got pregnant again, didn't you? Yeah, well, in August, I had gone back to see Dr. Kumar for the scan and amazingly, my lining had actually increased to six millimetres, which was amazing. It, it still wasn't ideal, as apparently it should be seven millimetres, but I stayed hopeful that, you know, everything I had been doing in terms of the acupuncture and the supplements was helping and that it would increase enough to fall pregnant. Um, I got my prescription for the steroids and the progesterone, so all basically we had to do now was fall pregnant and, and just hope everything be okay. 
in March 2017 got their fourth positive pregnancy test, which again, excitement, anxiety, you know, all the usual feelings, especially we felt like if this one doesn't work, then where would we go from here? Because if the treatment for natural killer cells didn't work, then would that be it? So there was a lot kind of riding on this fourth pregnancy. And did you feel reassured in that fourth pregnancy that it it was going to be more okay because you'd had interventions and you'd done all these things to give your body, you know, a really good chance to to be able to carry full term? Not really. I was just so nervous. And also because the natural killer cells uh, research is still kind of ongoing, it's not been confirmed or approved by the NHS as treatment that definitely works I think they're still in the kind of testing phase so as much as I had heard success stories of it working I didn't it wasn't like it was a given that it would definitely work for me plus I was still worried about other things that could cause miscarriage and the lining issue so all these things combined I was an absolute nervous wreck as was my husband I think to help us through we opted for private scans at eight weeks and ten weeks and Oh, I just remember my legs were shaking uncontrollably on the table. I just, especially with it being a scan, I just, it brought everything back. I was absolutely terrified. And of course, eight weeks, everything was fine. But then eight weeks and one day, the day after the scan, you think, oh, well, I could have miscarried today. So you think everything was fine yesterday, but you're already having anxiety that everything's gone wrong again. Um, so it's only kind of the hour after the scan that you're reassured and then all of the anxiety and the worries come back again. It's hard. You It, it brings trauma back from every experience that you have. But it did work, didn't it? You now have a beautiful, happy and healthy, gorgeous three-year-old. Yeah, so absolutely amazingly. Um, everything was fine. So... 20 week scan was fine and then even like the rest of the pregnancy I was absolutely terrified and as one of these people that was convinced I was going to squash the baby in my sleep which again is ridiculous but I used to just get up just in the night and pace around because I wanted to feel that movement just right up until the moment before she was born and the midwife said oh she's got dark brown hair was the that was the first moment that I actually allowed myself to believe that we did have a healthy baby that was you know everything was okay because I, I just couldn't allow myself to believe that it could happen it's a self-protection thing isn't it because you, you've been there so many times it's not like not allowing yourself to have to have it you must have been I mean having a baby is overwhelming for everyone but if you've experienced loss before it you must have just been completely overwhelmed by the whole thing and holding her in your arms oh it was without a doubt the best moment of my life it was just and she was enormous as well she was nine pounds eleven which was just I couldn't believe that because I'm quite small so that was Jules is tiny she's tiny I can't believe she delivered a, a nine pound eleven baby but yeah I yeah so I was four nights in hospital with her I just I just I honestly just couldn't believe it like when the when the family came to meet her in the hospital it was just everybody was just so happy you know all those years finally you know the baby that we had dreamt of was here and I remember we were four nights in hospitals so we got home on the fifth day and I just remember I just 
came in, didn't even take my jack off, sat down and I started like sobbing because every single thing just came out. The relief that she was here, she was fine. You know, this journey was over. I didn't have to worry anymore. Well, I have obviously new worries, as you do when you have a child, but oh, the worry that we would never have a family was gone. It was just the best feeling. It really was. And and that bringing her home, that's that's Aww. a big moment, isn't it? Bring it? Bringing her safely home, that baby that you've wanted for so many years and been desperate for, is just comes in that moment. And I you know it's unsurprising that that is completely overwhelming and emotional for both of you for you and Michael too yeah absolutely I mean I think you know Michael was anxious through the whole pregnancy as well so just the relief for both of us was just incredible and then the excitement you know everyone could come and meet the baby and it just meant so much like we just savored every moment we still do we just cannot believe that we've got this amazing girl she's three now and I mean, everything that I've gone through has been so worth it. I just wish someone could have told me back then that you will go on to have a successful pregnancy because then I would, it would have been easier to keep going. And I think we've had so many conversations, hours and hours of conversation about this, but you you have your beautiful girl now and it's totally amazing. I'm so glad that you're a mum because you're like one of the most warm women and natural mothers I've ever met. But, you know, the effect of that, those years of trying and the effects on the miscarriage even when you have that baby there's long-term effects on you forever isn't there it changes you as a person how how have you been affected by your experiences um I think it's fair to say my experiences have definitely changed me I do feel more anxious generally than I used to in terms of the statistics if you look at it one in a hundred people will suffer from recurrent miscarriage and I was one of the one in the hundred and I think that kind of brought home to me that sometimes the worst things can happen in life. So generally, yeah, I would say I'm more anxious. And even looking at scan photos now, you know, if someone sends you a lovely announcement with a scan photo, as much as I'm delighted for them, I still have that kind of feeling in the pit of my stomach looking at the scan picture that does bring back, you know, memories from that day when we were told we had a missed miscarriage. And I think that's it, is that mental health um, aspect to it, the mental health um, effects that baby loss can have on you, short term and long term. I'm exactly the same in terms of going into hospital. As soon as I'm back into hospital, it's kind of like that post-traumatic stress disorder. I, I get panicked. I have flashbacks of all my different experiences, including being when I was rushed into hospital and I was really scared. And I'd never been in hospital before, so it just it brings back those sort of memories and and I think that's something that can affect you really forever I think which and it's just finding ways to manage manage those feelings and anxieties. I totally agree and I think my experiences have definitely impacted on our decision you know whether to try for another baby in the future. Obviously in the past we thought we would have two children but given everything that we've been through we do just feel so lucky to have Sadie and have our healthy family so you know that definitely does impact on feelings about trying again for sure and it's about thinking about what whether you can keep doing keep trying and what long-term effect that might have on you and your partner and I'm, 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 I'm on the same page in that that I feel very lucky to have my daughter but I'm at a stage now where I don't know if I can keep doing this because it is breaks you every time that you have that loss 
And what advice would you give to others? Sort of coping strategies could you suggest that you've used to navigate this awful sadness that you've had to and, and helped you to keep going and not give up? Uh, well, firstly, I'm so sorry to anyone listening that you are going through this. I, I completely understand how difficult it is, but especially in the current environment, we all find ourselves with COVID. I'm sure it's been even more challenging. Uh, for me, I think I've touched on most of these points, but what helped me the most was definitely reaching out to support groups of women that are going through the same. I can't stress how helpful I found that, not just emotionally, but all of the practical information from these groups as well. If it's recurrent miscarriage you're going through, then definitely making a plan of anything proactive you can try, whether it's looking for acupuncture, taking supplements or starting yoga, or like myself looking into natural killer cells, anything that helps you to feel in control of what can feel like a really helpless situation. I think distraction also helps as well. So signing up for a 10K or something else just to focus on can be really helpful. For me, protecting myself from triggers, whether that's social media or going to baby showers, you know, you're going through a lot, so you have to look after yourself first and foremost. Finally, there was actually a quote that helped to give me a bit of strength after the third miscarriage, which was, don't give up on something you really want. It's difficult to wait, but worse to regret. And I think that's a perfect place to stop. Um, it's been wonderful talking to you. I know that You've shared lots of different resources, lots of different experiences and information that I know other people, we hope that other people listening will find really helpful and comforting in whatever journey they're going through. Thanks so much for coming on, Jules. Thank you so much for listening. I really do hope you found the episode helpful and indeed hopeful. Make sure you check out the show notes because I know we covered a lot of resources and support services in this episode. So there's details of which are in the show notes. And make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter, the Hopes and Dreams podcast. And let us know what you thought or other future topics to discuss. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.